Welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Now, joining me today is Christian Minson, and he is currently the resident director of the Breathwork Program at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center uh, in Costa Rica. His credentials include international speaker, best-selling contributing author, trainer, coach, and founder of Breathflow Wellness, a transformational holistic health business. He has spent uh, the the past, uh, maybe not the past 10 years, sorry, but he also spent 10 years as a monk, which is pretty wild, uh, meditating and serving in search of deeper meaning of life. He now helps others achieve greater spiritual and emotional intelligence by integrating trauma, releasing limiting habits, managing emotions, and teaching others to find meaning in their own lives and work. Now, Christian delivers inspirational and practical real-world tools that result in lower levels of stress, greater emotional awareness, and higher levels of fulfillment and performance. So on this episode, you know, I inquire first about Christian's journey as a monk because I think that's really interesting. <laughs> Just <laughs> totally selfish. I mean, it's not very often that I get to sit across from an interview, uh, a, a former monk, and he, he you know, he uh, he shares his own journey, which is really, really incredible to uh, moving into that space. Um, but then we talk about transformational breath work, and we talk about the power of transformational breath work. Uh, we talk about how the breath uh, functions. We talk about the, this specific methodology. Transformational breath work is a little bit different from things like holotropic breathing, um, from things like the Wim Hof method or the Russian breathing or, or box breathing. So uh, he shares some of the results that that he's got. And to be honest, um, you know, when I went down to Rhythmia um, for the plant-based medicine ceremonies, what I was really blown away by was how powerful these breath work um, ceremonies were. Uh, arguably, I would say that the breath workshops were just as powerful as the plant medicine. And I know that might sound a little strange, but the breath, you know, in yogic practices, in Buddhist traditions, they believe that the breath truly is the access point to the soul, to source. And you can have some really incredible, um, fruitful experiences when doing breath work. So I'd encourage you to check out Transformational Breath Work. Uh, definitely check out Rhythmia. They've got some incredible programs, and I can't, uh, I just, I can't recommend it enough. If you've been looking at doing, you know, a plant-based ceremony or some work and exploring that, their program down in Costa Rica is, is not only beautiful, um, but very, very well structured. Uh, they have integration ceremonies, and they do an incredible job of being able to support you as you move through that experience. So uh, check them out. We'll have the links in the bio for that as well. So without any further delay, please welcome Christian Minson. All right. So welcome to the Man Talk Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to get into breath work because I think that it really is starting to become more and more prominent within our culture and society. And it seems to be such a valuable tool for so many people and, and men especially, I've noticed it really can unlock some uh, some stuff because we we carry a lot of shit in our body. You know, we That's we true. really like to lock it down. But before we do that, I have to ask the question for the audience, uh, which is tell us a story about a defining moment in your life that made you who you are today. Hmm. Well, that that defining moment definitely involves breath work. Um, 
and it involves a, a, a greater context of my life. Basically, I was a monk for 10 years of my life. And, um, you know, I'd gone in with uh, high ideals of um, l- l- learning to live a spiritual life, um, serving mankind, giving up everything and, and living, you know, off the, the graces of God, essentially. And uh, I achieved a lot of that in the 10 years of, of living. And in the um, it, what started coming up around that 10th year was this this message to go back out in the world and and face some of the things that I'd been running from. And, and I realized in that moment that, you know, even though I had noble reasons I had gone into this, this monastic way of life, there were things that I, uh, you know, was also not too keen on facing out in the world, like integrating with society, getting, getting a job, you know, working with relationships, all this, all this stuff. And uh, the, that time was a little bit tumultuous because, here I was, I'd made this commitment to stay in this, this lifestyle, uh, you know, it was a, essentially a commitment for life. And yet I was getting these, uh, these signals that it was time for me to leave. And I was fraught with anxiety and stress and, you know, um, uncertainty of what the right path was. And it really was that moment that one of my monastic friends actually introduced me to breath work and said, you got to try this out. And, um, and see what it's all about. I think it could really help you. And as I started to um, started to work with this uh, breathwork that I now teach years and years later, is, is that um, <clears throat> one, it, it started to help me recognize that a lot of the, the energy inside me was emotions. And this, this may sound funny to a lot of people, probably uh, people in, in your audience relate, being men and being uh, task driven. I was raised in a military family, uh, you know, very stoic family that didn't really express emotions and didn't see much value in that. Mm-hmm. And so just to understand that, that some of this energy swirling around me, what were different emotions was a, a big realization. Next thing it did was actually start giving me uh, a, a safe space in which to express my emotions, to to let them out, let them have space. And, and which again was a fairly new experience to me. Uh, and the third and probably most important thing that it did was gave me a way to to release that emotional energy, to integrate it, we like to say, where, um, you know, to, to let go of, of this hold on, as you just mentioned in the beginning, we have a way of, of holding on to stuff as men and... Um, uh, it, it you know loosen the grip on that energy, let it come out, let it let it be free to be expressed, and then leave so that I had uh, open field of, of space to with which to now cultivate new feelings and new new energies. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, then that that gave me some sense of balance to where um, <clears throat> what ended up happening was continuing with the breath work, it became clear that there were two paths that I had to choose from, you know, essentially to stay or to leave. And in, in this process, now that, you know, the, the emotional garbage was out of the way, it became very clear energetically that, that, um, my inner voice was telling me to go. It Mm. was time to go and face these things as my next step in my own evolution. And, uh, despite the fact that looking on, you know, staying was intellectually the pros and cons list, you know, it was much, uh, 
you know, much more the, the thing to do to stay, it seemed like. But I, um, you know, I took this as uh, one of the first tests of really trusting my intuition to, to say, all right, I'm going to take this leap. So I took a big breath, literally and proverbially, and uh, stepped out um, of that lifestyle into, you know, no job, no place to live, uh, no real direction. And it just so happened that the courses for this particular type of breathwork were happening that week. And since I had no job, no place to live, <laughs> and no direction, I, I went into them and it really, it stimulated something inside me that I'd gotten so much out of this breathwork myself. Uh, you know, it helped me make this major life uh, transition decision that I wanted to, I felt like I could help others with, you know, with the same technique. And so I got on the fast track to becoming a facilitator and a trainer. Um, and now I've been doing that work for 12 years. But that moment, you know, that moment where breathwork came into my life really, you know, helped me to, to come to terms with my emotional nature, came to terms with, um, you know, tuning into my intuitive insight, uh, giving me the strength and ba bravery to make a decision that was, uh, you know, against the grain and to, to stand by it and, and live with that decision. And I can honestly say in all the years now, it's been 12 going on 13 years since I actually left that life, that I've never looked back and said, you know, I really wish that I'd made the other decision. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, there's been times when I said, I really wish I had the, the same tranquil environment that I used to have. Because <laughs> um, this, you know, life on the outside has been anything but tranquil at times. But that's all been part of the my evolutionary process, which since I really took the time to tune into that, the, you know, what was right for me, it, you know, it's paid off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I have so many questions, not just about breath work, but about monk life, you know, <laughs> and, and what that, what that must be like, I'm gonna have to have you back on the show mm -hmm. just to just to do like a full, thorough, deep dive into monk life and the routine and disrobing the monk. Yeah, disrobing the monk. That, that will be the that will be the title. There we go. We already we already have it. Now you have to come on the show. You have to come back. Um, okay, so you know, it's, it's so interesting because I think here's a, your life is a perfect example of the power of breath work. And, you know, even for myself, I was, I was hopelessly lost for, you know, quite a few years until I found singing right. and, and singing is just, I mean, one of my teachers said it's just controlled yelling, but, <laughs> but deeper than that, it's controlled breathing. Uh -huh. And it's really being able to use this powerful form of life force that we often uh, don't tune into. And, and it, it, you know, it radically starts to change your life. At least for me, it radically changed my life and, and yours, yours has as well. Um, I'm a musician and a singer as well. And I've, I've noticed that you know, when I started really taking singing seriously and learning, you know, learning technique and stuff like that, uh, that, yeah, that breath is such a fundamental element, and yeah. uh, and so I think singers get you know get a training, you know, a backhanded training that they don't realize that they're going to get <laughs> just by working with this, this oh, yeah. powerful process. I, I remember <laughs> doing hours of breathing exercises, different forms of breathing exercises from different teachers. You know, learning the anatomy of the breath and how it all works, and how to move it through your body, and how to move the energy through your body, and deal with, you know, the anxiety and the emotions that were coming up. 
Uh, so it was a it was a really valuable tool. So I, I was kind of you know years ahead, and it's it's something that you know we bring a lot of breath work, breath work into the the men's work that we do. So um, I, just before we move on, just you know I, I, I want to be conscious of everything that I want to cover here. Just out of curiosity, what led you to to monk life? Just in the very beginning. Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, basically, I'm a, a very idealistic person, um, mm. and I always have been, which sometimes isn't the most um, rational. Or, <laughs> you know, but in that, um, I've always had a drive since I was little for seeking the true purpose and meaning of life, and. Um, you know, I could go in this story in more depth, but the but the essence of it is that uh, I found uh, what I felt was really on point the the meaning and purpose through a book called Autobiography of a Yogi mm-hmm. by uh, the spiritual master Paramahansa Yogananda, and you know that led me to understand that our own self realization, our the own actualization of our potential and and realization of our divinity. And the whole evolutionary process to that ultimate realization is the purpose of life. Mm-hmm. And the primary way to, to achieve that, in Yogananda's uh, opinion, was through meditation and meditation practices to, to develop that direct connection. Well, he had a very specific <clears throat> methodology as well, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and it was fairly rigorous. <laughs> well, that's it. And that's, a, you know, a monastic lifestyle or even a spiritual lifestyle, um, you know, not being a monk under uh, under Yogananda's guidance, very disciplined, um, you, you know, very, uh, you know, he, he called these scientific techniques of meditation to, you know, achieve oneness with God. Mm. And, and so, you know, scientific in the sense that if you do, you know, if you do something over and over, you will get, you know, the result that that uh, you're expecting, and um, uh, but yes, it is very disciplined, very rigorous, and not for everybody. And that's where you know, um, breath work and plant medicine are. We say here at Rhythmia, essentially shortcuts. They're mm. they're shortcuts to some of these uh, divine states and, and understandings that come from meditation. Meditation is more like the marathon approach. It's, um, you know, the, the daily, uh, daily application of continuing to d- develop and deepen your realization where, you know, breath work and plant medicine can help awaken you, open you up in a, in a short period of time to some of these more uh, divine aspects of our nature. And then, then of course, you still need you to, to do the daily. I think, <laughs> I think that's a, such an important point that you're bringing forward that I think a lot of people miss is that I think most people are looking for a sustained Satori, mm-hmm. right? They're looking for, like Satori is just the Japanese word for those that are listening in case you don't, in case you don't know it, uh, sudden enlightenment. And I think a lot of people have the perspective that they'll you know, go on a, you know, a plant medicine journey or they'll experience a breath or whatever. And they'll have this moment where they suddenly become this enlightened being and then it just stays forever, you know? And I think what you're saying is so powerful in that breath work and meditation is the continuation of that and the deepening into it. And it allows us to continue this practice on when we, when we have these little moments of, of enlightenment or, or, you know, whether it's joy or peace or bliss and we experience it. 
So, and I'll say uh, to that note, you know, one of the easiest ways, in my opinion, to achieve the sustained satori state, which is, you know, is to use the breath work. Like you, you can use the breath work to to get into that state, you know, temporarily, and say, oh, this is the direction, you know, life is meant to go. This is the direction that, that is going to be best for me and all that. Mm -hmm. And then by doing that through breath, you're subtly setting up a, a connection with your breathing and enlightenment. And if you really get it, I, my, um, my whole mission is to make every breath that a person takes a transformational experience. Mm. And you do that by first, you know, going through these these processes that that bring you an awakening and then by continuing to to habitualize yourself to essentially the the technique of breathing which you can do uh, in my opinion especially the one that I teach in your everyday life every breath you take eventually becomes a reminder you know a an anchor mm -hmm. essentially of that a, you know, original aha moment. Yeah. And so literally every moment you're alive could be, you could be reminding yourself of that, which is what I would define as a sustained Satori experience. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. <clears throat> I love that. I'm going to take a bit of a, you know, just because breath work is such a broad topic, I'm going to take a first a Simon Sinek approach and, and start with why. And say, you know, just for the listener's sake, you know, in case people haven't done breath work before, why is breath work so important and powerful? Well, I think breath is really at the foundation of our being. Uh, it's like it's the first thing we do that defines our life separate from, uh, you know, from the mother who, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're growing and gestating in for nine months. And then you, you finally get birthed and smacked on the butt, start breathing. And that's like your, the first act of your own individual uh, self. Isn't, and, it, isn't it kind of funny that like the first act, like how we are kicked, like the on button for human beings is a, is a slap on the butt. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the, if, if that was, if we had like an iPhone button, you know, like turning us on is like the yeah, smack on the, on the butt. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, interestingly, it doesn't have to be that way, yeah, which we get true. into a larger, larger context of, of birth trauma, which is yes. how this whole modern wave of birth, uh, of uh, breath work started in the first place with mm. a, a, a um, style called rebirthing, which was originally meant to heal birth trauma that we didn't even know we had because it it happened before we had any cognitive ability to to assess that this is trauma that I've yeah. been going through and all that. But it was still stored in the body. <laughs> I think that's the thing is it's still stored in the body, mm -hmm. right? And we can mm -hmm. now see that trauma is just, it gets stored in our nervous system mm -hmm. and neurologically. And so, yeah, okay. Which is why breath is so important then because it, um, the breath, the breath is the confluence between all the dimensions of our being. Physically, mm -hmm. physical, the breath is important. Oxygen is our number one energy source. Without it, we're dead. Emotionally, though, our breaths, our breath and our emotions have an intimate link where every emotion we have actually has a corresponding breath pattern. And when mm. you actually learn that, you can, one, read people uh, pretty well. And two, you can choose to change your emotional state by learning how to, to change your breath. Mm. And this is, you know, we, people who are chronically stressed or anxious or depressed 
often have habituated themselves to a breathing pattern that reinforces these emotional states. Mm. And the reverse can be true. You can learn to habituate yourself into a full, free, flowing breath pattern, which is um, which induces feelings of peace, love, um, good, uh, you know, just good feelings. Uh, and that can be your habitual state of mind, mm. you know, with occasional sadness and occasional anger and that kind of stuff. So, um, and then the spiritual dimension, which is, you know, my favorite, because that's, uh, you know, as a monk, I transitioned over and found that the breath really was, was really actually the vehicle for our, even our meditation techniques. Mm. We were really just modified ways of, of breathing. We'd manipulate the breath to help bring the energy up and down the spine, which let us let go of body consciousness and attain higher states of awareness. So again, the breath is fundamental to all these dimensions of our being and a, a truly happy, fulfilled life has to bring all those dimensions into balance. And, that, you know, if I'm anything, I'm a shortcutter. Like, I want to find <laughs> the easiest, quickest, you know, way to, to do things. And if one element of our, of our experience can influence three facets, you know, three major facets of our experience, I go there first. Well, I, I have to uh, do justice to one more realm, which is the sexual realm, which I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to have time to talk about that today. Maybe that's something for a future show. But... But also in, in the sexual realm, it can be you know fairly powerful there. So, mm. so I think what you're saying is why it's important is because it impacts every area of our life, mm. and and it can be uh, incredibly powerful for moving through emotions, mm. uh, moving through things like anxiety and, and stress, which who you know who doesn't in the modern sort of. I think I like you know I live in New York, and there's just people are so stressed, you know, and I, I see clients come in and their breath is like in their sh- shoulders and in their ears, you know, yeah. it's just not making it into their body. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, of course you're, the, you're stressed out. And that's exactly the pattern that continues to reinforce that stress. The stress reinforces that pattern, the pattern reinforces that stress, and we just, you're just in that negative downward spiral. All it takes is a little bit of awareness and understanding of, of what breath pattern will uh, will induce different feelings. Mm. One, that you're doing that. Two, that you have a choice. And three, to actually uh, choose to make that choice. Yeah. You know, and then practice that until it becomes a habit. So let's let's shift a little bit and, and talk about, now that we've sort of looked at some of the benefits of breath work and why it's important, um, let's talk about how we can start to use this and, and maybe start to, start to engage with it and... You know, if let's say there is someone who does struggle with anxiety or heightened amount of stress, how can they use the breath work? And are there signs uh, within the body of, of anxiety and stress? And what does that normally look like? I know I just asked you probably like five yeah, right. questions at once. Yeah, I well, <laughs> but I'll pick up on the one that. that the signs of anxiety and stress are to me, you know, now as a breath worker, uh, I've gotten into the, the skill of reading people through their breathing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, when I take somebody in a session, I can look at their breath and, and tell a lot about their emotional state and about what kind of things may be uh, you know, issues for them just by the way they breathe. And I mean, mm-hmm. you mentioned it too. I mean, somebody's breathing shallow and only in their shoulders um, and they're tense up there. They're, they're typically, uh, you, you know, storing a lot of anger and, uh, and emotional stress. You, you know, if they don't breathe in their belly, 
they're they're typically less um, less grounded. They're typically less willful, or you know, where um, and, and this is a you know like a stereotypical female pattern would be to to have a breath in your chest but not in your belly, mm. um, which is very you know the chest is is the heart area, the emotional area. So there's an active emotional area. Uh, you know, desire to help and be kind and all this, but um, a very weak will area. And so those kind of people will typically get walked all over, you know, taken mm. advantage of because of this, this generous, open-hearted, emotional nature, but of then do, doesn't, yeah, doesn't have the, the boundaries and, and all that in place to, to, to express their will. We talk about sex and all the, you know, the, if you're not breathing down into, you know, the deep core of your belly, um, you can often, um, you know, sexual issues or, or traumas are stored in, in that area. And generally where trauma is stored, we typically don't breathe because mm. breathing into those areas activates that energy. And until you understand that that's actually a good thing, we don't go there. We we don't want to activate that. We want to pretend like we don't we don't that energy doesn't exist. Unfortunately, it, it's like um, having a backpack on, and with each trauma you experience, you throw another ten pound rock in there, and now you're carrying a hundred pounds of rocks all over, and you're you're ignoring the fact that you have the backpack <laughs> on, but you're wondering why life is such a chore, why it's so hard to do anything, why you know why um, you're so tired all the time. And then you realize that, you know, doing the breath work is like, it activates this energy. It brings it to the surface. It's like realizing, oh, I can take this backpack off and you let it go. And that proverbial experience of feeling like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders occurs and you're, um, you, you're, you know, you're energized and, and alive to live a new experience. Yeah, I think what, what you're saying there is so powerful in, in the sense that when the breath is used properly, it can also move out trauma, right? And it, it, and it can help people process that. And so do you see that in, in the work that you do with people of people sort of releasing traumatic experiences? That pretty much is the essence of the work I do. Yeah. Um, I divide the work into three phases, coping, healing, and thriving, basically. Mm. First of all, people come in, you know, their life's a shambles. They just need to cope. They like, feel like their head's above water for at least five minutes. And, and working with the breath can bring you into a, a calmer equilibrium so you can learn how to get through your day without, you know, breaking down or, or, or uh, you know, melting down. <laughs> um, then the healing phase is really going back and, and starting to dredge up old stagnant energy and experiences, which are usually traumas, repressions, suppressions, experiences that, that we didn't like or, or we're told you know, n- not to express or have, and um, dredge those up and start to weed, weed out that garden, pull the, that energy out and, and get rid of it. This is the healing phase. And then, then we move into the thriving phase, ultimately, where once we're relatively clean in that department and, uh, you know, life has a way of always making us, uh, you know, having new experiences to heal or get over. Um, but once you're, you know, once you know the, the process, it, it, it becomes part of life rather than this, this big, you know, ex- uh, experience you get into the thriving phase where the, the breath work, it, the breath itself and the life force energy in it is stimulating your 
creative, intuitive, and divine nature hmm. to, to come forth and to, so that you can actualize your, you know, your, your divinity, which goes back to, you know, when I, we talk about Yogananda and the, the purpose of life is, is our own self-realization, you know, an hmm. actualization of our divinity. So that is possible, yeah. you know, through the breath. Yeah, sometimes uh, it just a, a rewording of that. Sometimes I'll say to guys like you're, you know, when they're looking for purpose and they can't seem to find it, it's like, well, sometimes your purpose is literally to work on yourself, right? If you've been so lost for a long time or so frustrated for a long time or carrying around shit from your childhood and you haven't felt good enough, but you're trying to go out and do quote unquote big things in the world, it's going to be really challenging to do that because you are sabotaging yourself. And so the, sometimes the, you know, our purpose, uh, the first step of our purpose is, is literally to look at our pain and say, okay, my pain has a purpose and I need to deal with that. Because if I don't, how am I ever supposed to make it to the top of the mountain? You yeah. know, like how am I ever supposed to climb Everest of, of purpose? Well, well put. I mean, that's, that's essentially it that we, you know, Yogananda would call it divine selfishness, essentially mm. that, you know, there is, um, <laughs> I like that. You know, know, and, and another way to, to, to put it is, you know, change yourself and you'll change thousands. Mm. You, you know, if you're, you know, so you're a musician, you're a singer. Uh, if somebody comes to tries to teach you singing and doesn't know how to sing, you know, they're, you know, what value is that? Yeah. So if you, you try to help somebody, but you are broken inside, you, you know, there's not going to be, you're not going to be very effective. Yeah. If you spend the time actually working on yourself to, to uh, bring yourself into more balance and harmony with, with your environment, with your, your thoughts, your feelings, you are a natural radiation of of energy uh, of harmonious energy that mm -hmm. influences the environment around you and and people will literally change just because you've changed mm. yeah i've i can attest to that i have definitely seen that happen in my life the more that i have shifted the more that my entire family systems have started to change and people in my family have started to go off and do their own healing and it's been really incredible um, not, not to say that I've had a direct impact on that, but I think, you know, sometimes it just takes someone getting out of getting out of rock bottom for other people to see that they can do it too. You know, well, we are energetic beings. So, you know, that's the one thing I, one, one of the many things I learned as a monk was that we, you know, our influence is much stronger, like, you know, I remember Star Wars, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi mm -hmm. got struck down by Darth Vader. He said, I can be much more powerful. I can be much more help to you, you know, out of my body than I was as this, you know, this form of Obi-Wan. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like that. We, as, as energetic beings, we, we realize, you, you know, we think, you know, if you go help somebody, uh, you know, get a meal or help them build a house or something like that, you're really helping them. And you are. Um, but the greater help is really through our energetic exchange. And when we, we start to understand that more subtle nature of being, we, we realize that we can have a much greater impact on, on mm -hmm. life and our surroundings than we ever thought possible. So just shifting gears a little bit, tell me about the type of breathwork that you do. Because I think, you know, there are some pretty prominent <clears throat> figures right now in the it's sort of, especially in the person development space where you've got mm -hmm. people like Wim Hof who have really blown up breath work and brought it into mainstream culture, which is phenomenal to see. Mm -hmm. But what's the type of breath work that you do specifically and what makes it unique? 
Well, the type of breathwork that, that I do, I came from the school of transformational breath. Uh, that's what it's called, uh, started by a woman named Judith Kravitz. The origins of that, I, I mentioned earlier, I believe that um, this, what I call modern day wave of breathwork started with uh, rebirthing with a man named Leonard Orr. Mm-hmm. And then he supposedly breathed for the first time a man named Stanislav Grof, who uh-huh. started holotropic breathing. Yeah. And then transformational breath came out of that. Um, you know, my teacher learning learning breathwork from somebody who was in the rebirthing school. So I feel like those are the big three of this modern day wave of breathwork. And then breathwork really designed for emotional catharsis and uh, spiritual connection. Now, um, I haven't gotten to to spend much time studying Wim Hof's work. Um, from what I've seen, it seems like that kind of breath and his whole thrust is really to help people transcend their their physical limitations like mm-hmm. learn that you can you can do more than you thought you could you can you can withstand or you can endure more than than you ever thought possible um and breath can help you get into those states so i'd say the main difference is really in the um reason or the purpose of why this this breath exists in the first place or or the person who's purveying the breath you know what what reason or purpose they have in, in doing it so the this breath work that i teach um you know has that very emotional cathartic component and really the spiritually connective component those mm-hmm. are the 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 two i'd say overriding reasons for for this breath work and the one super advantage i'd say this has over just about any other breathing technique is that the, the style of breath, the technique itself, really emulates the patterning of a healthy breath that you can take in any breath that you breathe. Hmm. A full breath, a free or relaxed breath, and a connected or fluid breath, meaning not pausing unconsciously for, for long periods of time. This, these three elements ideally should be in every breath that you take. And the more you habituate yourself to that, these are the elements of a breath that creates peace, that creates harmony, that creates um, happiness as a baseline state of your being. Mm. So you're not, you're not a miserable being who sometimes gets happy and sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes has a little bit of fun and joy. You're a generally happy person who sometimes experiences sadness or sometimes experiences anger. You know, and, and that's So it changes like your baseline, uh, your baseline experience of how you move through the world. That's the ideal that I that I see um, that that could happen with this style of breath because you're really learning to habituate yourself to breathing in a way. Mm. You know, that's something that you can't do with the Wim Hof breath, for instance, because it is a it's like a thirty breath at a time and a hold and mm-hmm. this and that. You know, that's not emulatable. You know, throughout the yeah, day, throughout you, the don't, day yeah. you don't breathe that way. And, <laughs> I mean, you could, but people in the boardroom might look at you a little funny <laughs> if you start. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, for, and I'm just making that specific point, you know, that, that breath style has as many great benefits and such. And the same with like holotropic or rebirthing that the pattern of, of their breath is great for the same therapeutic type of experiences that happen in a session, the release of, of emotion, the, the connectedness of spirit and, and such. But those patterns, I would not recommend people 
try to emulate in every breath they take, mm. you know, after they leave the therapeutic session. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I'd say is the unique facet that, that this breath has. Awesome. Tell, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about how the process works. Not that, uh, you know, people should try this at home by themselves. They should definitely, you know, go to a workshop and, and check it out for themselves. But tell us a little bit about how the process works and, and what's happening from an emotional, physiological standpoint. Well, basically, I mean, the, the breath is bringing oxygen. Oxygen as our energy source. And oxygen on an energetic level is really just a transporter or carrier of prana or mm. life force energy. So we're really, at a fundamental level, working with our life force energy. And that life force energy, you could say, is the fundamental unit of spirit. It's like, you know, a particle of spirit is a, is a particle of life force energy. And within that is um, endowed the, the energy of creativity, the energy of, of awareness. And indeed, it's the energy that has brought us all to life. Mm. Uh, you know, life force uh, makes us thinking, feeling, mobile beings that distinguishes us from an otherwise inert lump of clay. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, so working with this uh, life force is is what we're doing with the breath. Uh, by by breathing in this full, free flowing manner and at a more accelerated pace, we're inundating ourselves with more oxygen than we're used to. And and this is this is the, where you know, people say, "Well, I breathe all the time. I don't feel any weird effects." It's like, well, what you're doing is breathing at about twenty percent of your capacity all the time. Uh, which unfortunately is the the sad news for for humanity as a whole. We breathe, you know, sometimes even ten percent of our capacity. Very, you know, we're leaving a lot of potential energy on the table. So when you actually start breathing in in this um, in these breath styles, one of the main things we're doing is hyperoxygenating. We're flooding mm-hmm. the body with oxygen, our number one energy source, and thus flooding our body with more life force energy, which is like a magnetic, uh, has like a magnetic quality to mm-hmm. it. The more, you, you know, the more life force energy we start to process, the more magnetized our consciousness becomes to our higher state of being, our higher awareness. Uh, we call that entrainment, where, uh, where a lower vibrational frequency meets a higher one mm. and, um, you know, ideally a stronger, higher one, which entrains the lower frequency to, to start resonating at that higher frequency. Mm. This is essentially how emotions, lower frequency emotions get uh, integrated is to entrain to this higher life force vibration. Uh, so that, I'd say in a nutshell, is, is, is an explanation of what's going on. Really interesting. <laughs> You're like, it's kind of complicated, but it's, you know, it, it works really well. You know, I have, I have so many questions about this and I'm being mindful of time. But one of the things that, one of the things that I, I found, uh, you know, using breath work, going through holotropic breathing and the Wim Hof and the, and the transformational breathing that we did the other day, um, is that it can be incredibly releasing. And so maybe just speak to a little bit more about, um, you know, for the people, I'm just going to go through a, a few different a few different scenarios. So for the people that do struggle uh, with really feeling into their emotions, you know, because a common thing that I've seen with the men that come and, 
you know, do the men's weekends or come and work with me one-on-one is that they have a lot of stuck energy Mm -hmm. and their emotions have been repressed so much that they've sort of become like emotionally constipated. And there's many ways of moving that around, but what, what can breath work do to help, help people just feel a little bit more? Yeah. Um, well, I say we're endowed with three basic tools that can help move energy and that's movement, sound, and breath. Mm. And, uh, and so we employ all three of those when we're doing the, um, this breathing process and in in a, again, what I call a more therapeutic session, what breath is doing it, it, the stuck energy is just that energy, energy of emotions. And if you look at that word emotion, you've probably seen this before, emotion. Mm. An emotion is energy in motion. And when we stop that motion by suppressing it, it doesn't just mean the emotion gives up and says, all right, well, I'm just not going to move. The emotion still wants to be expressed and it will ultimately in one of three ways. It's either going to leak out Sigmund Freud would say unexpressed emotions never die. They just reemerge in darker and uglier ways, <laughs> which is, you know, which is, um, which so is what up. we're seeing in society these yeah. days. Suppressed emotions create all sorts of subversive uh, activities and, and feelings and, 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 you know, can lead to some pretty dark news, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back approach suppress, suppress, suppress until finally you just explode. And anger is a big one that you'll see this. And again, in the news um, where somebody has, has gone over the deep end and caused harm to themselves or others because they finally couldn't take it anymore and the dam just broke and, and they, they do something that wasn't commensurate with, you know, what was really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, should have been a much milder reaction ultimately. Or, you know, you can stimulate this this stagnant life force by bringing in fresh, active life force. Mm. And it kind of, it's like it dredges up this old energy and starts to stir it up. And when it does that, you have all sorts of experiences. You can feel that energy moving in your body. So you have tingling. You can have uh, locking up of, of muscles and joints. You can feel very heavy. You can feel very light. You feel hot or cold. You know, all this is an indication that you're starting to move energy. Then you can start to have um, those energy is usually old, as we were saying, repressed emotions and stuff. So as it's as we've unlocked it, now we're in the experience of those emotions again. So we may feel the the feelings of these experiences. If it was sad, we might feel like crying. If it was an angry experience, we might feel like yelling or pounding. Mm. If it, you know, fears and anxieties, whatever it is, we're we're feeling these energies. The life force is stirring this up to to release it, to let the emotion do what it was meant to do in the first place, which was be expressed. Yeah. And and the 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 rub to this whole equation, basically, as Shakespeare might say, would be that if we had just let the emotion express when we first had it, it would have been done in about fifteen minutes yeah. or, or so. You know. Um, somebody said, you, uh, you know, most emotions are expressed in the course of 30 seconds or something like that. And if you watch children, you'll really see that they'll have this emotional outburst. And then a minute later, they'll be laughing and playing the sandbox again, and then they'll cry and then they'll yell and scream and then mm. they'll be laughing again. And, you know, cause they let the energy move and it moves and is gone. 
But what we have, we have that energy. We're like, oh, I don't like that. And we hold on to it. And then we carry around the effects of that energy for often three decades or four decades of our lives until finally, you know, we... Well, it, I've, I found that it becomes like a magnet. You know, like I found that when... And, and this is the interesting thing is that, especially people that have experienced trauma, they'll experience that trauma, but then that trauma sort of becomes a, an anchor or a magnet that attracts that same emotion. And people block themselves from processing that emotion, right? So if they've had a traumatic emo- moment that, that made them feel incredibly sad, the, that emotion becomes this magnet that starts to attract sadness to it. And they can't figure out why they can't escape that sadness. And it's like, well, because they, they're never wanting to really process or release that sadness because of this traumatic experience. I think the interesting thing is, is that our vision and definition of what trauma is is changing. You know, I think trauma 10 or 15 or even 20 years ago or 50 years ago was something incredibly outlandish, right? You like rape or murder or, you know, really intense physical abuse. But now we're, we're starting to see that trauma doesn't have to be that really uh, sort of outrageous thing mm-hmm. um, or, or over the top thing. It can be, you know, getting bullied at school, you yeah. know, and it's anything it we perceive, anything we take in that that ends up you know, affecting the way that we, we feel or, or operate and that we don't, and we haven't fully processed usually mm. is, you know, it can be trauma. It could be as simple as your mother going next door to, to get sugar from the neighbor and you're in the uh, playpen and you start crying because you want to be fed and she's only gone for 10 minutes, but yeah. you think you've been abandoned and yeah. that stays with you on some level, totally. you know, and that stays with you until you, you learn to process it. And that's yeah. what, you know, that's what, where breathwork is so powerful is that it gives us an opportunity to process these things. It's all legitimate trauma. I mean, of course, these heinous uh, experiences are, are truly trauma, yeah. but that doesn't mean to, to diminish the effects of these other things that, you know, might not have been traumatic for somebody, but to another individual it was. And that's, that's you know, on par with some of these deeper, darker things because it's still affecting their life for the negative. Yeah. Yeah. And like anything that we've rejected is just going to naturally continue to be there, right? Like I've seen guys that, you know, their, their older brother picked on them or <clears throat> their parents neglected them or something like that. And it's like, oh, but it, you know, they meant well, and it sort of gets glossed over. Uh-huh. And then, at, but you know, all, all in the, in the meantime, they're like, I don't understand why my relationships don't work. And it's like, well, do you, do you trust? Do you know how to trust fully? And it's like, well, no, because right. I might get hurt or I might get abandoned right. or neglected. Right. And it's like, okay, well, so here, so here it is. It's a perfect, perfect explanation of what that, you know, unexpressed emotions never die. They just reemerge in darker and uglier ways. So yeah. here you, you haven't expressed that emotion of hurt or just, you know, whatever it was in that relationship. And now, you know, this, this darker element of inability to trust. Yeah shadows your life for until you actually take a look a deep hard look at it yeah it's very interesting to sort of see like at the with a lot of the men's work that i do there's a a physiological release component of it right then like really because i'm sort of like in the carl jung lineage it's all shadow work and it's dealing with the part of the psyche that people don't want to look at Mm -hmm. and it sounds like what you're talking about is that the that breath work can help people do that it really helps people get into the unexpressed, unfelt, unseen mm-hmm. 
rejected parts of themselves, which is just such a, a gift. And what I really love about it is a very visceral experience. It's very mm. experiential yeah. and experienced through your body, through your emotions, and through your spirit. And, uh, you know, that was, I've never been a big fan of talk therapy or, you know, um, seeing lectures of thought leaders and things who just talk, talk, talk. Yeah. Because, I mean, your, your mind gets stimulated and then there's a, a value to that to a certain extent, but then it's, it gets what the Yogananda would call it mental indigestion. You know, yeah. you just, you got so much to chew on, but what we really need to do is enact it, to yeah. embody it, to, to bring it into reality in our own lives. And that's, and breathwork uh, is a very visceral experiential um, application. Nice. I have much, a much more crude version than Yogananda. I, I tell men that it's mental masturbation. <laughs> it's like you're just mentally masturbating constantly and you can't stop. You know, it's, a, it's an addiction. Um, I, we, we're going to have to wrap up here soon, but I would just love to just touch on blocks and what blocks the breath um, outside of these emotional pieces. From a physiological standpoint, have you noticed um, that people hold in in certain places, uh, wh- whether it's um, you know within the diaphragm, within their you know lungs and mm-hmm. chest, shoulders, stuff like that. How do people block? And then we'll we'll start to close out. Well, I say you know I'm come from a very holistic perspective, which means that you know the system, every part of the system is affected by every other part. So mm. the, when we talk about blocks, I immediately go back to emotions. We have what we call a body map, which is essentially a map of where emotions are stored in the body. So it's, it's a question of what emotion you're storing. Mm. So we'll see people blocked in what we call the fear belt, which is you know around the, uh, where the rib cage uh, opens up into the, the belly region. So uh, all along that, that rib cage bottom is the fear belt, and that's where fear is stored. Uh, anger, and uh, essentially anger is stored in the shoulders and the neck. Mm. You, know, you heard that expression, he's such a pain in the neck. <laughs> it's because you store all this anger, and then all of a sudden you start to feel this pain in your neck, and, you're like, and you relate it to the guy who you're angry at, and you know, because he's a pain in the neck, because he's yeah. actually creating pain. Yeah. Um, you know, compassion and understanding, uh, these points uh, up in the, the pectoral region, of course, love down the heart, heart area yeah um uh, you, you mentioned like yeah uh, any the- sexual type of uh energy um you know w- you'll see people breathe and they even can breathe down in their diaphragm but they'll stop at the lower belly region that there's no movement there and that's that's often an indication that there's some kind of sexual trauma or hmm. or sexual thing and again could be trauma like rape or or, or something like that or it could be trauma like uh you know you were made fun of because you know somebody Somebody saw your fly down and you, you know, all of a sudden you, you just get weird about that, that whole thing because you, you're not expressive of your emotions. You can't, can't yeah. express that and you hold on to it. So, yeah. So, and then, of course, guilt and shame travel all the way up and down the back. Um, yeah. And what you're guilty or ashamed of has to do with, you know, where in the front that you know, that relates to. So. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I experienced your uh, transformational breath workshop firsthand and I'm going to get to do it again on Friday, which is, which is amazing. And I, I, you know, I had such an incredible experience. It was, it really, I think I had a lot of frustration built up in my diaphragm from singing from back in the day and who knows what else <laughs> I had been held on to, but, uh, but it was really interesting because 
it it really was allowed to move it. I felt just a huge amount of power straight in the middle of my mm. diaphragm and, you know, going out throughout my hands. And uh, it was such an incredible feeling to just move that energy out. Mm. And there was just this deep knowing, knowingness within my body of just like, yeah, this is your power center. You know, this is just straight, straight power. And it was it, such an incredible feeling. And when I got to sort of release that and release the anger and the frustration that's, you know, had been built up there, uh, it, it was incredible. And I mean, there was other, por- other parts of, of release, but, um, you know, since then, interestingly enough, that theme for the past uh, two days has carried over in my plant medicine ceremonies. And so that's been a really interesting, interesting journey. So nice. I wanted to thank you for that. But anything else that you want to leave the listeners with when it comes to transformational breath work? I know there's so much. Well, I would say what you just said is a good example of what the last message I would say is, is that this breath is really about learning to let go, ultimately. Learning to let go of the breath and let the breath breathe you. Mm. And when we let go, it's, it's uh, energetically the same as letting the ego take the back seat and letting spirit take over. Mm. And uh, as long as we're in control, the controlling agent is usually the ego. Mm. When, we, when we learn to let go of control, the soul can finally come in. And that's usually the part of us that, that makes us more happy and more fulfilled <laughs> and more peaceful. And what's great is, I mean, you you are set up in such a way, in a, in a backwards way to experience your power, but through a very controlled breathing pattern. And if we learn to control the breath before we learn to let go of the breath, often we get wrapped up. We get, uh, you know, we, we get suppressions or repressions and, and that. And then when you, but when you learn to let go of that, you had built all this power from from your practice over the years that that now you had access to yeah. and so this is what you know for for people we're really learning to let go so then any other breath technique then that you use to control whether it's for singing whether it's for yoga qigong whatever you can you can approach that control from much gentler space and and with much more nuance and and uh and fineness to to the experience and um uh that that takes your experience to a whole nother level well i think it's it's such a great way of putting it because when i remember when i sang i had an obsession around the breath and i was really neurotic and i was constantly thinking about like how's my diaphragm doing with my abdomen and my lungs and expanding enough my rib cage and my shoulders and relaxing everything and it was just for years it was this obsession and it, and it carried over into my yoga practice and, you know, it carried into the work that I do. And I'm always very conscientious of my breath because I know how powerful it can be. And, and so because of that, there was a lot of sort of control around the breath. And yeah, just releasing that was incredible. And, and I feel like it was a lesson in, in trust and surrendering mm-hmm. and, and allowing, which was such a, a beautiful gift going into all of this. But I think for people that are out there that, that do have trouble trusting surrendering and allowing the natural course of life what a what a great experience and guess what uh that area right in the diaphragm is stores oh there. what <laughs> trust surrender and uh you know, let great it go, great it go. even even more i've been on the path of cultivating that for a while so that's 
What a, what a beautiful gift. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the work that you do. It's it really, really, really powerful. And uh, you know, I'm going to have to try and find a way to, to maybe bring this or somehow you convince you to come to one of the one of the workshops that we do and yeah and uh and you know maybe maybe a conference or or something like that because i think that more men could use this you know it's such a great just cracking the doorway open to show them how to do certain things within them whatever they're struggling with right whether it's trusting themselves or life uh or or surrendering and i have a soft spot for helping men too i think it's uh you know having had my own journey of, of learning how to get in touch with my emotions and express them and getting over the, all the BS about, you know, big boys don't cry and, um, and, and learning how, how limited I've been, I made my experience by, by suppressing all that. And, uh, and, and now realizing how, uh, how colorful life can be with a full palette of emotions available to you. Um, that really is a, well, and I, and, and I think not only that, but the, the breath work allows for grounding and direction mm-hmm. and, and you, you kind of work with life rather than trying to tackle it, right. Rather than trying yeah. to fight it constantly. Yeah. <clears throat> and that, I think that's been the biggest shift for me. And, and the shift that I see in a lot of men is that when we start to embody these practices, it allows us to stay grounded in the face of chaos and the unknown, because that's still going to happen, right? You, yes, <laughs> it's yes. still going to happen. So, As Yogananda would say, stand unshaken amidst the crash of breaking worlds. Beautiful. What a great, oh, we're going to end there because that's just a beautiful note. So thank you so much for joining me. Right on.